0: Welcome to Parenting That Kid. My name is Ashley Tolliver. As a mom of twins, one being a highly sensitive child who responds to the world in a non-traditional and sometimes challenging way, I understand the desire to find the golden answer. Maybe there is no golden answer, but there are resources, tips, and tricks we can all use to help us make this uniquely normal parenting journey a little more fun. This podcast is a roadmap to Parenting That Kid for myself and other parents. If recording my journey as I seek a clear starting point, community, and effort to normalize what sometimes feels abnormal supports at least one parent, then my time is not wasted. And hey, if it doesn't, well, there's documented proof that moms deserve a glass of wine. Cheers. On today's episode, I speak with Crystal Palin, a pediatric occupational therapist. Her nature approach and Waldorf-inspired philosophy behind her work really intrigued me because i think as a parent we feel like we need to go out and grab more tools more resources more things to support our child when in fact all we have to do is step outside and see that the world is full of tools we just have to know how to use them and that's where kristen comes in she believes that the world really does ground our children and that we have the tools to support them at our fingertips it's just knowing how to use them the correct way I think you're really gonna enjoy this episode if you're on the hunt for something different. If you know your child needs some support in some area and you're just not sure how to give it to them or even where to begin, I think this is a great way for you to go outside, find some tools and start having fun with your child while they're developing their body and their mind and their soul. Yay, okay, thank you, Kristen, for saying yes to me. I know we've been talking for a while to have you come on my podcast. And I want to first state that I am a huge believer in occupational therapy. I'm such a big believer. And I think parents are going to learn a little bit different information about occupational therapy from you today. One of the things that attracted me to your Instagram, which is where I found you, is that you had things I could do in my house. I didn't have to go searching anywhere. I didn't have to go buy a whole bunch of things. I could just go outside and find it and do it. And my children go to a local Waldorf school and they do a lot of this stuff in their daily rhythm. And I felt like if my kids were exposed there, I could bring that home and we could just do that at home. So I just felt like this natural draw to what you were doing, both the occupational therapy side and the natural world around us and bringing that into our world. So thank you for being somebody who does that and then saying yes to coming on
1: my podcast and sharing about that. Sure. Yes, thank you. Yeah. I, I love that. That's um, what attracted you. Cause that's really my goal is to make things simplistic and, and doable without having to go out and buy a lot of things with using what you have and using nature. And so that's kind of my whole purpose. So I'm glad that that's what brought us together. Awesome.
0: So can you share a little bit for those who don't know what occupational therapy is? Cause that could be foreign to people. Could you share a little bit about that Um, maybe who you are in that world, what do you actually do? And then how does that relate to your little niche of finding like the natural world and using it around you to support that?
1: Sure. So an occupational therapist helps people of all ages participate in purposeful and meaningful activities through the use of occupations, and for a child, because I'm I'm a pediatric OT, occupations are embedded in play. So that can include developmental skills, sensory processing, self regulation, you know, executive functioning skills with planning. It can include just your daily, everyday tasks of getting dressed, brushing your teeth, brushing your hair. You know, and sensory processing falls so much into a lot of those things. It includes fine motor skills. It includes handwriting. So many of those academic skills, you know, the basis is sensory processing. So um, so we also work on those as well. And it's child centered. We're treating the whole child, their mind, body and soul. And we use evidence based practices that's embedded in clinical reasoning. And the biggest thing that we do as OTs, and I think that really stands out is our ability to use task analysis to really break down an activity any activity that is meaningful to the child and to break it down so that they can be successful in their environments, to modify things, to adapt, you know, to to enhance their environment so that they can be independent and successful. And I think that's really kind of what sets us apart um, from other um, health care providers
0: nice okay so i'll be i'll play the other side i was a nurse for many many years and i used mm-hmm. to do occupational therapy so when my children were diagnosed that they with something well t- i'm happy to share later on i was kind of like i don't get that how does that work but you really did a wonderful job just explaining that it is truly just their day-to-day activity it's the mm-hmm. throughout the day that is their occupation currently yeah. at their age, in their stage so wonderful that's fabulous um Again, I was just drawn to the natural side of it. So, can you share about how you incorporate the natural world that we're already living in, and that how that um, supports a child who might need occupational therapy?
1: Sure. Yeah. So, so I I use nature based um, I use nature based strategies in my OT practice, and basically that means I'm using nature as my therapeutic tool. So, for, I you know I've been an OT now for over 19 years and I spent about half of my career in a clinic setting a sensory based clinic where I had every piece of equipment every swing anything you any toy anything you could possibly want I had and then I we moved and I had to find a new job and where I was there there weren't many there, there was there weren't any sensory clinics and um Instead, I started doing early intervention, We're working with um, babies from birth to three, which I always loved and kind of did anyway. So I was going into people's homes and as I was going into people's homes. You know, some of the homes I would go into, they maybe they didn't have that many toys or maybe the toys that they had just weren't quite the ones that they were interested in. And so I've always had a love of nature. So I started taking things outside. And so that's kind of how I started and I started to see, you know, so many parents would say, well, you know, they're, when, when we go outside, they're just so calm. They're just so relaxed. Like they, that's where they can play. And, you know, outside the sensory stimuli is just so much more gentle. You know, the sounds around us are, are so much more gentle. You know, there's no walls to, to vibrate sounds off of the, the stimuli, the visual stimuli to look at. It's much more wide open. You know, you don't see all the, the clutter or that's that's on the walls or that's in a house. And and things are much more open-ended. You know, there's not just one way to climb a tree. You can climb a tree 10 different ways. Or there's not just one way to create, you know, process art with nature finds. You know, you can, it's, it's very open-ended. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I bring in a lot of the Waldorf inspired influences because I'm a Waldorf-inspired homeschooler. So that's where I started to bring a lot of the Waldorf philosophies into my OT practice using natural materials, using open-ended materials, and using those approaches because I began to see that children were much more open to be able to explore their environment with using those strategies.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. And i I remember when o- when we first started OT was like sensory was huge and it still very much is, but I had a more um, visual idea of it when my children would actually touch something and versus over stimulation and your brain and your mm-hmm. mind and stuff. And, and children, I, I remember walking outside because some kids just couldn't handle touching the grass, with their bare feet and some, which is yeah. be natural um, because it is, but mm-hmm. have to remove that in our world. And so I love the idea that you're using what is already around them to, mm-hmm give them the ability to experience that thing and to experience yeah. what's coming at them or what they're putting out in the world by what's surrounding them. That's so cool. Who would you say is kind of your ideal client? And maybe that's too narrow. Who <laughs> could benefit from it? Because I think we all probably have an ideal person in our head and go, oh yeah, that person probably should. Mm-hmm. Who could benefit from OT?
1: I, you know, any child can really benefit from OT, but you know, most of the children who I'm working with they need more support functioning with their everyday activities. So that might mean they might need they might have some sensory sensitivities where they don't like touching you know grass. they don't like getting their hands dirty. They don't like you know getting their hands dirty when they're eating, or they might be sensitive to loud of noises. Or on the opposite end, They might really be craving sensory input where they're constantly craving movement or they're constantly craving touch and they have trouble kind of managing and organizing their emotions behind those sensory cravings that they're having. Or I may um, also see a child who, you know, is a little bit disorganized in their body and they kind of look disconnected. You know, that child who might look clumsy or awkward or just not really sure of how to move their body and they might not, you know, along with that, they might not have the confidence to move their body. They might be more rigid in kind of what types of activities they choose. They might not, they might prefer, you know, the same activities all the time. They might not like new or unfamiliar things. Um, I also see children who have, you know, fine motor skill challenges and have trouble with handwriting. Um, Although my clients tend to, come to me for sensory processing and self-regulation challenges, because that's kind of, that's kind of my area of specialty. So that's, those, those are probably the main people that I attract and who I see most of the time.
0: So are those children who are diagnosed obviously with sensory issues or maybe something like ADHD who have an array of ways of showing that they have ADHD and they like sensory input. Maybe they're constantly in motion, the hyper attentive ones or hyperactive ones. Um, Are there other ones that you go, oh, these are traditionally the diagnosis that I get when you get paperwork or when they first start to introduce themselves to you, that you just go, yeah, yep, 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 yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. I often get, you know, I often, I often get children who might be diagnosed with autism, ADHD, um, sometimes just different learning disabilities, dyslexia, processing speed. But I also see a lot of children who don't have a diagnosis, and or you know, they might kind of check all the boxes for having a lot of signs of sensory processing disorder, but it's never been identified by anybody. You know, there, it's still, believe it or not, it's still. I think more pediatricians are aware of it. But I don't always think it's being recognized right away. So I might see a lot of parents who might hear about kind of what I do. And then they'll say, hey, I think you can really help my child. Like, that sounds like something that would help us. Like, And that's kind of what I've been experiencing a lot lately uh, is. Oh, that sounds like exactly what my child needs. And you know, it's, it's all new to them. They, they never heard of sensory processing. Um, so, so I do, that does happen a lot too, where I'm kind of the first person who they ever see uh, before any other discipline.
0: So then i okay. That would lead me to question too. Do you, do you have to have a diagnosis to come to you or do you have to have a doctor to say you should go see an occupational therapist or can anybody just come and be like, Oh, I feel like my kid could benefit from this. Let me call around and see who's in my area.
1: Yeah, I, usually it's a child who who needs support in one of the areas that I mentioned, yeah. and you know I, I I do take I participate with some insurances. I'm I, I'm both private pay and insurance based. So okay. obviously for the children who are insurance based, you know it has to be medically necessary that they qualify mm-hmm. for the services. Um, it depends what state you're in. In in my state, I don't I do not need a doctor's order to do an evaluation. Um, but depending upon the insurance company, I may need a doctor's referral to do therapy. So it just kind of depends on the insurance and on the state that you live in as far as that goes.
0: Okay. That's good to know. Okay. Can you give me some examples of what you would use with a child and whether they're sensory seeker or avoider and those words might not, people might not know what that is. So if you can also probably share that, (laughs) I'm I know that because I have sensory children that we've done OT with but I think those are important words that I find when I speak with occupational therapists they talk about oh we'll use that for those that are avoiding or for those that are seeking it so if you don't mind sharing some some
1: tools or uh, you know what do you do with this, a child that comes to you yeah so first i would do an evaluation and that usually consists of a mixture of some standardized tests and also just some observations in play and some clinical observations that that I do. And then from there I'll write up a report and then I will discuss things with the parents and then I'll, we'll come up with goals together with the parents on what the child is going to work on. And if it's an older child, a lot of times, you know, if they're, if they're usually above 12, I'll, I'll often include them oh, in God. that. Yeah. in that planning as well, because they're, they're old enough to to understand. And, and even some of the younger kids too, you can still include their interests in the goals and include their thoughts. Um, but As far as um, tools that I would use, you know, so things that, that sensory based OT, which is me, and then I'm also a nature based OT. So what it's going to look a little bit different than traditional OT. So I do use a variety of of swings, um, usually I, I use rope swings and trapeze swings, and you know, cuddle swings that that I'll hang um, from trees, or sometimes um, I can hang them from swing sets if I'm at a child's home in their backyard. But you know, we use I use a lot of swinging for vestibular input because that, that movement is very calming to a lot of children and so we also use so we use swings for that regulating component we also use swings for the postural control component to get that core body strength up and that coordination And we also use it for balance. So those are kind of swings or something very common that you're going to see any OT use. And I still use them being outside. Um, I use hammocks a lot and different things like that. Um, You'll also see us using tools like I might make my own balance board out of a log, out of putting a log on top of another log and having the child kind of balance on that. I do have a I do have the traditional um, wobble board that you see like in a lot of Waldorf kind of pre- <laughs> I, I do have so, so I do use some you know I do use some to- some regular toys and tools too. Um, you know balance boards we use scooter boards that you might lie on your stomach on or sit down on different things like that. And, and through all of that, the biggest goal that I really work on with a child is getting their body more connected and organized because so many of the children who I work with and who I see, like, you, well, you'll look at them and you'll just say, well, you know, there's just, they're not getting those connections. You know, they're, they, they, they just seem unorganized and, you know, and, and they're dysregulated and they're not able to coordinate all their, their body movements and kind of put all of the pieces together. So that's really one of the biggest things that I work on more through a bottom-up play-based approach. You know, I use a lot of child led strategies um, where I'm using the child's interests and letting that guide my therapy. And then that way I can then weave my goals directly into their interests. So if I have a child Who's really interested in, in animals? You know, we might be outside pretending that we're different animals and, you know, what, you know, and then I'll incorporate our fine motor skills into that play and our gross motor skills that we're working on into that play. So those are kind of some of the strategies that I use.
0: I like that because they're probably more attentive too. If you're. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. their likes, then Yes. <laughs> any parent knows if the child likes it, it's a little bit right. easier to make it happen. Yep. That's yep. great. <laughs> The waffle boards. I like the idea of that putting just a log on another log and having the child. Mm -hmm. Then other ones are beautiful, but that wobble one is a great thing and i think you can find that outside anywhere so we can just put that on a balance and get that kid going
1: you can and just you know just going on a hike outside and finding finding a log to balance on to use instead of a balance beam or stumps you know i always get so excited when i find stumps like (laughs) (laughs) when i find stumps because stumps can be used for so many things we can use stumps for hammering nails into and then making some string art we can use stumps for jumping off of we can use stumps for balancing off of you know so many so many uses for stumps you can put a basket on a stump and that becomes a basketball hoop so lots of uses for stumps You
0: find things from places you visit feel like out camping like oh i should take that
1: rock that'll be really good at work next week you know it's funny it's yes yeah, so i don't have just rocks and shells i'm on the beach so okay. i always have some kind of shells in my pocket i have baskets of shells and baskets of sticks <laughs> and those are kind of the items that that I really use the most like sticks and rocks and pine cones and, oh, um, and those types of things. Yeah.
0: I love it. That's, it's just bringing the body back into nature and pulling you. It's it really, does yep. you. <laughs> it does. It does. It grounds you if you are it does. holding onto it and connecting to nature and it changes a child. you mentioned earlier, how you've noticed that going outside, people say their kid will calm down. And I distinctly remember when my children were newborns, that was the only way we could get them to quiet. We just mm-hmm. quiet and they would just fall.
1: Yeah. Oh, there's something about the world out there. There is. Yeah. And nature has really proven, you know, nature has proven the benefits. I work on a lot of self-regulation and co-regulation strategies and just processing emotions, you know, because so many of the children I work with, they can't recognize their emotions. You know, they don't have that interoceptive awareness to know those body signals to know okay, I'm breathing heavy. I need, to, I need to take some deep breaths or my heart's beating really fast. I'm getting mad or my body's really tensing up. Um, you know, I need, to, I need to relax myself. You know, they're not able to do that. So, but nature, you know, it's been proven to, to help so much in, re- in reducing anxiety and depression and, you know, helping focus and attention in children with ADHD. So it's really so many benefits. Mm,
0: and then you're just using the tools to that child's special need, whatever it might be. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So how can people bring this into their home? If they feel like their child is somebody who could benefit from OT and maybe they're not there yet where they have a diagnosis or they even know where to go, how could you bring this into your home um, right now? And maybe I would say too, if you've got some tools and tips and advice for somebody who's going, Oh, this sounds great. I'd love to start incorporating this. How would you say to start that process for them? Yeah
1: the biggest thing that I say first is the first thing I always recommend is developing a daily rhythm. You know there's that the poll from Waldorf is develop, you know that rhythm is another word for it would be a flow to your day. A consistency throughout your day so your child has that predictability. That right there is kind of the basis of everything because so many of these children they they don't like things, they don't like change, they don't like the unpredictability of things. They they need things that are familiar and they need that safety and security. And that's what that rhythm provides. So if you can start by just developing, you know, a basis of your daily routine, like maybe you wake up in the morning and you start off with some, some hugs and, you know, some big, deep squeeze hugs, that's proprioceptive input, that's deep pressure to your muscles and joints. You know, your child, maybe your child responds really well to that, or maybe instead of, you know, walking to the bathroom, maybe you stomp like a dinosaur to the bathroom, or maybe you walk like a bear to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So so it's incorporating the sensory strategies that your child benefits most from kind of throughout your day. And it doesn't always have to be the same. You know, if you start to observe your child, you'll start to know what different types of sensory input they gravitate towards. So you might know that your child really likes movement, you know, so there are, they, they really like that vestibular input, you know, and we all have sensory seeking behaviors and we all have sensory avoiding behaviors. So those sensory seeking behaviors are going to be things, different sensory input that are going to be calming and organizing to us. And that's going to be different for everybody. And we're all going to have things that, that we're going to avoid that, that we don't like that that are not our preferred sensory input. So the idea is to find those sensory preferences, what they are for your child and kind of implement them in your daily rhythm throughout your day. So maybe in the morning, you know, if, you know, if you're a homeschooler, you, you'd go on a bike ride mm-hmm. or you can ride your bike to the bus stop or you ride your bike in the driveway until the bus comes. So, so it's, it's just kind of putting those little things in throughout your day to to help keep your child organized. That's probably one of the biggest areas I say to start. Um, and, you know, and just, I think just to really observe your, your child and and observe, you know, attunement is a really big, it's a really big, plays a really big role in all of this. And it's just attuning to your child's attuning to their, to their needs and being there to co-regulate and respond. And, you know, you'll hear, the, you'll hear the term hold the space in in Waldorf terminology to be just to be present for them, you know, in, in that moment. And, and that's, and that's huge um, to, to really kind of get those skills to just sit back and observe and let your child take the lead and see what their interests are and follow them. <laughs> and I, and um, I think that's so important too, with, a lot of these children who might, you might see more resistance to trying different things. And if you, if you can focus on those strengths and those interests and those sensory preferences, that makes such a difference.
0: And that's probably also giving them tools as they grow older too. Now you've taught them these things and they didn't even know you were teaching them. And now they have exactly. you as they're older and life becomes extremely over your senses are over done constantly the older mm-hmm. and having those tools as a young child and learning, this is what helps ground me and center me. is just so beneficial.
1: Yeah. And that, and that's exactly what you said. That's, that's the exact end goal is that by you co-regulating, you know, for them, you you're there to provide that support that eventually they'll be able to kind of develop those brain pathways Mm -hmm. on their own to develop that resiliency, to be able to adjust to, you know, their emotions throughout the day to be able to adjust to changes in their day. And, and, and that, yeah, that's the exact end goal is that they can be independent self regulators.
0: Yeah. Which is our goal as parents independent young yeah. children. Okay. So how about, let's see three resources. I always love to end with three resources because I, I'm, I'm a guru at that. Like that's what I have to do. I have to resource and research and I have to know it all. Um, So what free resources would you give somebody that said, I want to learn more or I need to start working
1: on this. Where do I go? Kind of thing. the, uh, The newest book on sensory processing is no longer a secret. It's a second edition and it's unique common sense strategies for children with sensory and regulation challenges. And that's a book put out by Lucy Jane Miller from the star center, which is one of the leading centers in the country for for research in sensory processing. So, and I think that book does a really great job. I think it gives practical solutions and I think it, it really helps to break things down in a way that's doable. And that, that doesn't seem to be, you know, like I know as a parent, it can be so overwhelming. Like how how am I going to do all this? And I think this book kind of does a good job of explaining that.
0: Oh, good. Okay. That's I love that. I, I love <laughs> like here. Tell me what I need to do and tell me how to do it. Great. Done.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Do you have other resources or tips or tools that um- I, I do um, on my website? I have a, a resource for nature-based sensory activities that okay. you can do. And if you just click on for the resources, it's there. And that's just ways that you can implement some sensory based activities outside in nature. Okay. And Is so that that's like a printable thing that they can print or they download kind of thing? Yes. Yep. So it's all, it's a free printable. Sure. And that's something where you can just get started. And pretty much most of the things on there are things that you would already have at home. Um, it doesn't really involve buying much of, of anything, which I'm a big proponent of. Nobody needs more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Especially children who have too much coming at them already. Yes, exactly. Yes. We want to, we want to minimize that. <laughs> yeah. And then the last reason, Yeah. The last resource is an older resource, but I, I think it's, it's still an excellent resource. It's, but there's, there, there is an updated um, version of it, but it's the out of sync child has fun. Um, and it's acti- it's, it, it lists specific activities. The whole book is activities that you can do with your child. And it breaks down, um, the activities into all the different sensory categories, which is, really good so it's and and this is a kind of a, a book too where most of the activities in it are things that you already have at home or you don't really require okay have to be required to buy anything and and that's the author of the attestate child which is another great book too but that's that's a fourth research tonight yeah. and I, and there's actually a new edition of that coming out very soon too as well oh my goodness
0: wow okay that's wonderful <laughs> this little task that parents can work on and this i probably should ask this a while ago but with these books if somebody were to get a book, how would they know what to work on with their child, or would they just kind of have to play around to see re- really work with their child? And it's kind of a—I don't want to say a guessing game, but a learning curve for both the child and the
1: parent. Yeah, you know, a lot of this is is really it's, it's it's experimenting. And you know, my my first piece of advice is if you believe that your child has any type of sensory processing differences, and it's, if it's really a struggle in their day, where I always tell parents, you know, if it's, if it's interrupting with your ability to function in your day, that's where you really want to seek out and get an occupational therapy evaluation. Okay. And pretty much most insurance companies, you know, will cover an evaluation. Um, You know, deductibles are another story, but, (laughs) but uh, but I always recommend just to first seek out that OT evaluation. If you believe your child is having any of these challenges, but uh, You know, otherwise, sometimes your child might just have some sensory differences that, you know, that 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 are just making things a little challenging. But, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that they need to go get OT services. So in that case, that's where I really say to kind of observe your child and to really start to kind of see what their sensory preferences are. So to to really know okay, I see that they really are seeking out movements. What kind of movement do they want? Okay, they like to climb, but when they climb, they're losing their balance a lot and they're falling. They seem kind of clumsy. So then that would be a great place to start. Okay, we might, they seem clumsy. We might need to work on some balance Mm -hmm. activity. So, So I think to really kind of sit back and observe your child. And one thing that these um, books do well is they do have kind of different, um, a lot of them have different lists of, you know, if your child is kind of doing this, this, and this, you can kind of, yeah. Um, and so they, they, they do give, they give little case studies and they give characteristics of what challenges in those certain areas might look like. Um, and so that's why I like these specific resources. So then you can kind of figure out on your own, okay, that's why this is happening. Then you know we can work on this this way.
0: I love that because it's like occupational therapies for dummies, that yellow book that you. <laughs> yeah. For dummies, I think that's perfect because as somebody opening a book, it would be overwhelming to see all of these options. Yeah. And it's not know where to begin for your own child. So I love how they break that down and and you yeah. broke down moving really well because it's not just looking at your child like oh they're having fun but oh they're kind of moving awkwardly oh they just fell hmm. mm-hmm. everybody else made it up the tree but their little body didn't kind yeah. Of- Really yeah Thank you. yeah how can people find you how can people reach out to you where do they follow you to learn more and to get more tips
1: so um i have an instagram where i put a lot of information on there a lot of resources and it's at coastal connections ot and then my website also is it's a work in progress <laughs> i'm putting i'm putting more and more resources on there when i get a chance but it, it's um coastal connections perfect and then um my email address is Kristen at CoastalConnectionsOT.com. And you're always welcome to email me, you know, if you have any questions.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you, Kristen, so much for joining. As I said before, I knew what occupational therapy was, but this is a whole different angle for me, which I love because I gravitate towards that. And I think parents can use that because it's just going outside and doing what's so good for the body. And it's yeah. not you don't have to buy all these big tools. You could just go yeah. the that you're already in. So Yeah. Thank you for being that type of person in this world to give that I think it's really necessary. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks for listening today. If you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. This podcast is for you, the parent of that kid. So go ahead. Tell me what you liked about this episode. Give me some ideas on what you'd like to hear. Maybe you have somebody you'd like me to ask those nitty gritty questions to. I'm ready. Oh and if you have a friend who is also the parent of that kid, click that share button and empower them with some tools and tips as well. And by the way Imperfect Parent, I know parenting that kid is hella hard, but I'm telling you it's worth it. You are rocking this parenting journey.